going to guess that there's a ton of people who are now super upset that you said it was a great performance against Wolves because um, <laughs> people seem to have people, people seem to have wildly contradictory opinions. I, I, my about tongue this. was uh, reasonably firmly in my cheek. Uh, so let's talk about Wolves then, because was it a great performance? What was good? What was bad? Well, I mean, um, as as listeners, regular listeners to this program will know, uh, my main aim this season is to try and enjoy it, and. On that basis, they served up definitely more than enough to for that not to have been particularly difficult in this game. Mm-hmm. So I thought that um, the first half performance was beyond my wildest dreams in terms of two things. One, United's ability to control possession against a team that that's not so easy to do it against. And two, that the press looked quite organised and really effective. Like Wolves genuinely struggled to get out of their own half at that's times. That's right. And yeah, I mean, because was- they're good, good in midfield, but actually not that great with the ball at the back. Yeah, and and that really surprised me. Like that that's sort of the opposite of the pattern of play that I thought it would be. I was really um very down about our chances in this game um in a way that I wasn't against Chelsea because like I said last week this felt like a bad matchup for us. But actually um even though our midfield was uh Pogba, Scott McTominay and a massively misfiring Jesse Lingard, uh actually we we really did retain possession really effectively and uh, those two ball players at the back make all the difference in the world that's right but of course even though it was an excellent first half and a phenomenal goal from am9 um the man whose number should never have been taken away from him by the evil troll jose Mourinho, um you know this is a heroic fairy tale ending uh actually we didn't create two chances worth a damn the whole half given that otherwise I thought it was a really excellent performance, basically up to that last moment. I mean, I guess you could say the one moment of real, the two moments of real class in chance creation were the, were the Martial, the ball through to Martial and the way he generated space and, and a phenomenal shot. And then the Rashford flicky tricky back and forth on the wing. And then the cross that actually I thought the Wolves defender did a really good job of keeping Martial yeah. away from. And um, a third great chance was Jesse Lingard's air shot, uh, which... Uh, oh, was that in the first half? The first half, second half. Second half. I think that was the second yeah, half. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I, I think I'd reflect most of those comments. Uh, United controlled possession very well. They were, they were helped a little bit by Wolves effectively conceding territory. They were, they were happy to allow United to have the ball and they weren't pressing in United's half at all. So United had it very comfortably... Uh, in the back four um, and into the centre of midfield, but not so comfortably after that. And it's it's a tactic from Wolves that has served up some great results against the top six. They've not been beaten by the top six, have they, since they returned to the Premier League? So, um, I, you know, it's 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 getting them points in their toughest games. And I, I guess they figure that's their way to a chance at European football next season. Um, so United had a lot of possession, but I thought they were very controlled with it. Pogba... And McTominay in central midfield um, were on top of the game for most of the game, say for about 10 minutes in the second half. Um, they they seem to be in control. I thought it was an excellent performance from Pogba, and I guess we're going to talk about him an awful lot um, in the role in the role that uh, he plays for France and probably not his preferred role, but he was very disciplined um, and, and he gave United control there. The trade-off, again, as we've talked about, is... Who do you then play further forward? And this time it's Lingard, and Lingard had a very poor game 
um, seemed to really run out of steam. And um, but that wasn't the case for the whole of the United team, was it? So I, I don't know whether he's not quite fit at the moment, or he's carrying an injury, or what it is. But um, in this kind of form, it's he, he's contributing not much except for the press, which isn't really enough. Um, but overall, I thought United were very controlled in that first half. Uh, deserved their goal. Excellent finish by Anthony Martial. It's functioning for him at number nine. Um, it's, um, I, I suppose Marcus Rashford would prefer to be there, but I think this is the right way round. Feels right. Uh, and over on the other side, Dan James got his first start. Difficult game for him. He didn't get an awful lot out of Johnny, but um, you know he gives United you know, penetration. I think we talked before the season that he probably wasn't quite ready for Premier League football. It's a bit early for him. And he, you know, he probably found that out a little bit in that game, and and I'm sure that Ollie's going to try a few things, but he's gonna he's going to get a lot of games because um, our old friend Alexis looks to be off to Italy. So anyway, summary of the game for me, or at least in that first half, was very very controlled and and a good performance from United. Yeah, I, so I thought that this, I mean, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, I, I feel like every week we're just going to say Aaron Wan-Bissaka was amazing, but let's give it more than two weeks to kind of say that that's definitely going to happen, but it looks likely to happen. Um, Lindelof had one flappy moment, but Maguire alongside him, I, I think will be brilliant for Lindelof and Maguire just looks brilliant. Like Maguire, I, I, I've long said that I find it very difficult to kind of... Um, analyze the quality of central defenders. I had no idea that I knew Van Dijk was good, but I had no idea that him joining Liverpool would be a kind of massive transformative leap in their quality. Maguire, it's it's very early yet, but we he looks to be as important to us as uh, Van Dijk is to Liverpool perhaps, but just um, we're not quite where Liverpool were before Van Dijk came in, if you see what I mean. Yeah. But Maguire looked superb. Luke Shaw had a good game, I thought. Um, Given yeah. we gave him a lot of criticism after after um, Chelsea. Both McTominay and Pogba were excellent. Martial and Rashford were excellent. I thought Lingard was really, really poor. And I wonder if one of the reasons that he ran out of steam was because it hurt how bad he was. <laughs> like, you know, you could, you could easily imagine someone winding themselves playing that badly. And uh, I'm not making any snap judgment about Daniel James's future career at United, but I think we're being quite kind to say, like, perhaps he's not quite ready for the Premier Like, he looked a, a decent class below the level you'd need him to be. I mean, it's his first start. There's not not going to hammer the kid. He's just a kid. It's He didn't choose to, you know, he didn't choose this. This is the club you know, made the decisions it made and, and he needs time and he needs to, you know, we'll see, we'll see what kind of a player there is there, but, but there's an awful lot of speed and I I want to know what else there is <laughs> like um, o- over time, not, not in a rush, like getting on the kid's back or anything, but just, I'm just not at all sure he's very good yet. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, I don't want to be, sound really mean and this might sound really mean, but he's got a sort of bebe-esque, quality about him <laughs> wow we so wow it's an exaggeration uh, but it, it, look the, the the problem is and we're going to keep saying this it's it's just the final ball from him and and the choices he makes and um i i hope that over the course of this next year we we get a lot of progression i mean we got it from scott mctominay who i have to say didn't yep. look great looked very one-dimensional coming into the side He's still a bit one-dimensional as a player, but he's 
got at least maybe he's got one and a half dimensions now or something. He's grown as a player, and and we want to see that from Dan James, who hasn't played anything other than Championship football. Twelve months ago, he was on the verge of a loan deal to Yeovil, so um, he's he's got some catching up to do in terms of you know the quality uh, he's used to playing with every week, and and we'll we'll see if he's good enough. That's the gamble United have taken. It's a big gamble now because he's really the only option on the right-hand side, except for um, Pereira, who that role probably doesn't suit him that well. Um, Juan Mata, we know he's really past it, playing on the wing and not particularly effective there anymore. Um, Jesse Lingard, who's in a, what, an 18-month slump now. And, and Alexis Sanchez, who never wants to play there and is off to Italy anyway. Yeah, Mason Greenwood. And Mason Greenwood, the, who the option, maybe but... there. Yeah, I mean, he got like two minutes yesterday, but maybe Mason's the uh, maybe Mason's the answer there. Was it um, was it James that set up Lingard for the air shot? Because there was one ball that James played where it was a re- I thought it was a really good. I can't remember which ball it was, but there was one where he instead of trying to like whip in across, he picked a pass from the wing and that was like the best decision he made all night I thought um so you know yeah maybe slightly zero key passes for James but that wouldn't have counted as a key pass because Lingard didn't connect with it yeah that was that was it um then there was the other one which Lingard didn't connect with which actually uh took a big deflection on the way through to him um and we didn't get a corner for that I was annoyed by that I was like VAR where's VAR when you need it (laughs) um Oh, a very weird, a very weird offside VAR check. I mean, I, honestly, we can't do this every week. Well, we're going to, because all goals will be checked. I mean, you know, he was comfortably six inches onside or something. But uh, if if and if his leg had been pointing a little bit a different way or his head had been bent over, he would have been offside and that would have been chalked off and and uh, Wolves would have been very annoyed. Um, yeah, yeah we, we've had some so weird dumb. ones this weekend already. We've had some weird ones, especially with the Man City handball thing. But um, it, 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 you know, and we talked a lot about this before it, it came out. And I've always been relatively like not. I've always been quite up for it in a way. And I thought in the World Cup, the Men's World Cup, it was for the most part quite a benevolent force in making a good tournament. There was the odd moment. I mean, maybe that's just because they gave the the penalty in the final to France, which honestly is a terrible decision. But um, but generally I quite enjoyed it. But the way it's being implemented is just horrendous. That that whole, the offside thing with the exact calibration. And, and like we said last week, and like Jonathan Wilson said on Twitter, we're doing an exact calibration with something that isn't displaying all the frames. So it's a, it's a kind of nonsense of exactitude. And also it's an exactitude that literally no one has ever asked for. You know that meme on the internet? It's like no one, literally no one, and then a picture of something happening. And it is like no one, literally no one, var his shoulder was offside. Like, you know, nobody nobody cares about that. It's no, meaningless. I, I know. I mean, uh, there was a piece in the Times. It's kind of uh, repetition, really. Calculating the frame rate versus the the speed at which uh, Sterling was moving for City for one of the ones that was called called offside at the weekend for him, um, and the fact that the margin of error is in that case was thirteen centimeters, and they're claiming down to the millimeter, and they just can't. So that that's a problem. The the other the sort of combinatorial problem with hand the new handball rule is is a real problem as well so 
um, because handball is not handball depending on the circumstances, which I guess has sort of always been true, but this is particularly difficult because uh, accidental handballs in defensive situations are not going to be called as handball, but in attacking situations where at least the goal will will be. Um, so you get, um, so you know, one chalked off for City for handball. The whole of City Twitter claims there's some kind of conspiracy. I think there probably is any Blues listening. I think it's uh, David Gill at UEFA has done this deliberately to try and uh, ruin your season and hopefully successful. Um, but like, you know, so that's chalked off in defensive situations. That wouldn't be. But if it turned into an attacking situation, it would be handball, you know. So I can't remember who was saying it. Someone on Twitter was saying, well, let, think about this sort of hypothetical accidental handball in less, less uh, hypothetical with United, right? Lindelof accidentally handballs it. It's not going to be called a penalty because accidentally. He says in a natural position. He boots it upfield. Marcus Rashford gets it and scores. That goal is going to be chalked off because of the handball in the build-up. It doesn't matter what kind of handball it is, uh, accidental or deliberate. Uh, but the penalty won't be given because he's in a natural <laughs> position. How can that be right? <laughs> and VAR is just kind of adding to it because it's all these things that no one would see necessarily. Yeah. And I, I think a system in place, because there's an inherent bizarreness to millions or half a billion or a billion people around the world seeing something that means a goal shouldn't be allowed and that being a goal and everyone could see that it wasn't a goal. And if you just gave the referee, you know, two seconds with the video footage, he'd know it wasn't a goal. Some balance between what we've got now and that, you know. Um, and the other thing that I think we really need to start doing is calling it the VAR and not VAR. Because, like, it's a dude. It's the video assistant referee, isn't it? You know, that's 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 what VAR stands for. He's a man sat in front, or a woman, in fact, sat in front of a computer um, with a bunch of screens helping the referee yeah. so he it, it's the assistant referee and the var you know? well on the offside one there is i mean there are a couple of things that might be able to fix the calibration issue one is higher frame rate video which which is possible but obviously you know the right kind of equipment needs to be in place and the other is a, a whole bunch of companies um who are trying to do automated an automated version of it with sensors in the ball um so and camera camera tracking people like you know so maybe it's going to come along and we'll fix that particular but, problem but that's not the overall challenge with var anyway we, we very uh, long side on rule. aside on var there where we didn't really have a proper var instant in the uh no we just the, had a non one yeah. so what happened in the second half because to me it just looked like united lost some of that control wolves kind of found a spring in their step united i i felt like um you know, United's confidence is going to be really fragile still. And it did seem to me like when their goal went in, our confidence dropped a bit. Although then, of course, we did, Pogba did do very well to win the penalty and not so well to um, to not score it. True. Uh, what what happened? Well, I mean, some, some of it was that they was got a bit of extra penetration with Adama Traore coming on. And I, I think he, like we talked about players growing, he looked like a Daniel James two years ago, didn't he? You know? Head down, speedster, run as fast as you can. He's he's obviously bolted up a little bit. He hasn't seemed to lose his speed, and he's got a bit more quality on what he's delivering now. So, I think that helped quite a bit with Wolves' penetration. 
Um, I want to know who the best player in history with massive traps is. <laughs> like, because it's, it's like, it's a very, it's a strange look for a footballer, isn't it? Massive, massive shoulders. Yeah, I mean, he really uh, has, but was, he, was, he wasn't like that before. So, um, <laughs> pumping the iron, uh, or he's been to see uh, Pep. Anyway. Um, yeah, for Pep's excellent fitness advice, right? That's what you're talking that's it. about. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, that's a question for the listeners. Like, who's the best player ever with massive traps? So, yeah, I mean, and then they just got the momentum. And, and I, I do think you're right. United's confidence is a bit fragile. But it wasn't for all of that second half that Wolves. No. I mean, clearly just after the break and for 15 minutes or so, they were on top. Uh, but it, it wasn't much more than that. And I, I don't think United lost control for the whole of that second half of Paul. Um, they got the goal sort of 10 minutes after half time. Excellent goal. You know, very high. You, absolutely. I mean, I mean he, honestly, he, what a finish. He's scored, he scored 13 goals for Wolves and 10 of them being out from outside the box. So um, clearly he can do that. Uh, 0.05 on the XG for that shot. But that's it, isn't it? Just like Anthony Martial's was 0.08, but he's Anthony Martial with the number nine shirt on his back. So it's actually like actually about 0.5. Um, and uh, and that one, it's like, well, it's him, isn't it? It's not, it's, it's, it's not 0.05 shot. I'd love to know what his personal data is from similar situations. Well, quite, I bet it's quite a lot higher. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so excellent goal. Um, United tried to respond. I thought we responded all right. And, and um, the penalty uh, was an excellent piece of personal play by Pogba to control it, beat a man, get into the box and get fouled, you know? So he did that all himself, uh, stood up. Uh, Marcus Rashford asked him if he wants to take it. He said yes, and he took and missed. And, you know, it's not the world's best penalty. It's right in the zone for a keeper. Um, uh, penalty stats, penalty kick stats on Twitter tracks all of these. Um, had it at... Um, at uh, 0.57 chance of scoring the overall average in the Premier League in his database is is 0.81 um, in the Premier League last season 0.81 and and in some other seasons lower than that but uh, anyway so that'll give you some idea of you know the range it wasn't it was in the lower 12th percentile of um, of all penalties so not great from Pogba but that happens you know and he's we were just talking before we came on air his record now is three misses for United in 17 penalties, so, um, or four misses, sorry, four in 17. So he's got a scoring rate of 77%, which is just a tad lower than average. If he'd scored it, it'd be a tad higher. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think there's, I, I thought it was telling and interesting that he wasn't on penalties against Chelsea, precisely because... He certainly didn't have the kind of record from penalties last season that would see your average penalty taker taken off penalties the following season. I mean, if I'm not, if I haven't forgotten one, Rashford took the penalty for England in the World Cup, the PSG penalty, and the penalty against um, Chelsea. Um, so maybe I've forgotten one. No, but, I think that's it. So he's, a, yeah. So he's obviously very like he scored all of them, but he's very raw, and you know, I, it would I would be fascinated to know what the the kind of situation was why why each of those two penalties had had the penalty kick taker they did but i don't see it as some like massive shocking well Ollie said afterwards which... i don't know whether you caught this he said we've decided that 
they can sort it out themselves, you know, and decide yeah. on the time. We've got a slide on it. And and uh, Chris Sutton on the radio called it weak management. I don't see why the, the general take is you need to have a fixed penalty taker. I don't see why that's true either. They often have different free kick and corner takers in a team and um, players are multi-skilled and have to do lots of different things. And mm. um, if it's not causing tension and it doesn't seem to be at all, then uh, I don't see the problem here as long as it's not going to cause tension and everyone's comfortable with the situation and what's going on. And of course, you want uh, whoever takes the penalty to be scoring it. And if they're below uh, average or, you know, missing quite a bunch and lost some confidence, then that's not great. But yeah, anyway, I thought an awful lot was made of this that was was wrong. Uh, I think, you know, our favourite former defender turned pundit Got has got this very wrong, uh, and 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 I actually think the tone in some of the TV coverage is fueling some of the reaction um, in social media and amongst fans to you know a player missed a penalty, uh, and he's he's now getting racist abuse. I'm not directly connecting the two things, but I'm saying there's an atmosphere of hysteria in media coverage about a single penalty that fuels a lot of very bad commentary on the internet. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Um, the uh, the mad thing is, Wayne Rooney was on penalties for United for ten years and he barely scored any, as far as I can remember. But um, the, the obviously that's not true. Um, wow. At, at the, one stage, you, I remember we were tracking it. He was down to like fifty percent success rate. Yeah, not yeah, not brilliant. Not brilliant. Certainly a lot worse than Pogba's. Um, but I guess Rashford will take the next one. I have to say, I much prefer the uh, two grown men decide among themselves who's most for up for taking it in every, any given moment to Louis van Gaal's train of misery, where it's like, you miss one? Ah, you are now out of the train. The next player in the line is taking the next penalty. You get one miss and you're out well, forever. Well, it's one like, skill. You go to the back of it's the list. one skill. I know it's an important one because it leads to a goal, but it is one skill. If we had that same rule for keepers, we'd be swapping keepers frequently or hopefully not that frequently now now dave's back um if it's for for midfielders they misplace a pass and you're out the team i mean it's one (laughs) skill yeah well that's kind of Mourinho's approach with a player he didn't like but anyway um so all in all I thoroughly enjoyed that game I thought it was an entertaining game of football I thought United have a couple of problems in the final third I think the same problem of like shocking midfield squad depth is going to be massive but my goodness that back four looks properly sorted out yeah i didn't and i didn't really respond to your your comment on that but yeah i mean lindelof you said one moment i think that that was it one moment Maguire looks very sure he came under pressure at times Maguire did and he you know he, he resorted to rosette a couple of times which is fine and um no one's being Wambasaka ever He's so good. He's, yeah. Um, and then Luke Shaw was, you know, he, he pushed forward. He made a couple of chances. He's looking trim and fit. and But he has to because I think, he, you know, I think he's under pressure. And I, I think if he doesn't improve on last season, I know he's player of the year, but, you know, there's context there, <laughs> isn't there? Um, if he doesn't improve, then United should definitely look to replace. Um, and but But, you know, it's promising so far. We'll see. Uh, the chances of Luke Shaw having one only okay season and then United being like, like say say Luke Shaw is fine for most of this season, but not great. 
There's no way, there's no way Woodward's not going to be no, like, oh, no. yes, in addition to the 27 major problems I have to sort out, I'm also going to sort out this one that I could just get away with brushing under the carpet for another year and blaming Van Hart. Well, interestingly, since we're on Defenders, no Smalling, Jones or Rojo on the bench at all. Axel Tuanzebe on the bench. Love it. You, wow. I mean, there's a message there, isn't there? see it. Yeah, like the messages go and get yourself signed by Inter. Or <laughs> yeah, seem yeah. To have, they signed Sanchez and Lukaku, the, the greatest feeder club in the history of mankind. We should, just, uh, we should just invite Inter in for a supermarket sweep around the United dressing room. You know, <laughs> here you go, take some. Yeah, um, we wouldn't let you buy Roy Keane or Nicky Butt. No, not Nicky Butt. Um, Ryan Giggs and Paul Scholes. But we'll uh, we'll let you because it was the Paul Scholes was the big one, wasn't yeah. it? And so wanted him. Um, but yeah, anyway. So uh, um, okay, so that that was a good game. Um, Crystal Palace at the weekend. They they play four four two every week, and uh, we're probably going to beat them. So that'll do as a preview, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> this one's old traffic, we'll right? About- so. Yeah, it certainly is. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, I guess we should do some some Twitter questions. We should do. Should we? Uh, should we keep it a reasonable length this week? I say that every week, and there's like four hundred of them, and uh, I've got to yeah. Pick some. And then you feel bad if you only pick three. Well, Lucas underscore M United says Gary Neville seems to criticise United's foreign players more than he does the English players. Is he xenophobic? I mean, I feel like the official rank cast position on this subject has long since been established. Yeah. Gary Neville's, Gary Neville makes some extraordinarily excellent points sometimes. I think that his credibility is highly, highly, highly questionable at this point, given, I mean, he's extremely credible when he's analysing systems. I think he's extremely credible when he's analysing the way a back four works in particular. He's excellent at that. I think he's not particularly credible when he talks about managers because I don't think he's ever given enough responsibility to managers not doing a good job. And I, I, I've i stopped watching him because I find the sense of an agenda almost overwhelming. And I, I don't mean like some deliberate conscious agenda. I just mean I find him very, very, very unlikable. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I, I think it's a it's a problem because um, some of his position, especially around United, some of his positions are running counter to kind of what I what I personally believe and what a lot of fans believe. So for so for Pogba, he had a good game, actually. Right, um, aside from the penalty miss, I thought he contributed a lot to United's control. And as I said, United were not in control for about fifteen minutes of that game. And we had 60-odd percent possession. So, And he's in there doing a very disciplined role, all the stuff that people criticised him for previously, and he took a lot of heat, including from Gary Neville. And I don't think that's right. Um, and, uh, you know, this is where people think there's an agenda. Uh, Pogba, like, it's not quite Sunes levels where Pogba could score, a, you know, two hat-tricks in a game all of them being worldies and would still get criticised, but it feels like that sometimes. And then the second one with Neville is, of course, his position on the Glazers and ownership, where he's gone from like refusing to comment to being sniffily dismissive of fans' concerns. And I think that's going to get a lot of people angry because it feels like he's either completely tone deaf or has his own personal interest at heart. I don't know which one it is. 
Um, so yeah, you know, it's a problem. You know, you know what he reminds me of. He reminds me of what's happened to Jerry Seinfeld. Right. So Jerry Seinfeld is one of my all-time comedy heroes. Seinfeld is probably like maybe my. It's definitely in my top three sitcoms of all time. There's a solid chance it's number one. Larry Sanders might just be number one. But anyway, there's a whole conversation there, but that's definitely bonus content material. Um, I think he was an incredible stand-up. I think he's still a very, very fine stand-up. Every time he does anything new, I still find it funny. There's the odd bit where you're like, come on, Jerry. But he has appointed himself, as was discussed on the, the excellent Never Not Funny podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jerry Seinfeld is the self-appointed ombudsman of comedy. He has started to act like if you don't do comedy like Jerry Seinfeld does comedy, you are not doing comedy properly. Like you don't, you somehow just don't understand basically. And he's just wrong a lot of the time about what he says about how it should be done and all this kind of stuff. And I feel like that about Gary Neville. He's he's appointed himself the ombudsman of what United are and should be without like paying any real mind. I mean, listen, this is the man who said you can do one and all to Paul Pogba um, mm-hmm. based on a kind of scheduled tweet advertising Pogmojis. Mm-hmm. Like, it was bad timing and, you know, we we know this, but but he's made his position and his feelings about the player very clear and yet he's still kind of asked to pass judgment on his performance week in, mm-hmm. week out. And I just don't, I like I said, I, I almost... Uh, I feel I worry about doing him a disservice. I don't watch that much of him anymore. I definitely don't want to be throwing around labels like xenophobic about somebody I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I find it very uncomfortable to watch him nowadays. Yeah, and I mean, I know we didn't directly answer the question. And I know there are quite a lot of people who have that interpretation. I don't know what Gary Neville's agenda is. He doesn't criticise United's English players as much because if someone needs to take heat, uh, in the United team for how poor we've been over the last four or five years. You know, Luke Shaw, Chris Smalling, Phil Jones would be right near the top. But Yeah, yeah and, and not to just be pure rank cast, pure undiluted rank cast, but Wayne Rooney for a really long time. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Jesse Lingard was infinitely worse than Paul Pogba in oh, that Oh, God, game. yeah. God, yeah. And and I love Jesse Lingard. Like I find saying bad things about Jer- Jesse Lingard's performance is very upsetting. But he was completely dreadful. And I don't know if Gary Lineker, uh, Gary Lineker, Gary Neville saved the same level of criticism and vitriol for for Jesse Lingard because I didn't see it. Maybe he did. Anyway, but if he didn't, then etc. Ross Fowler says, "Why didn't Ollie make the change earlier against Wolves?" And I think it's kind of a good point. Really, it, it took a long yep. time, didn't it? At a time when the game felt like it might go away from United. Uh, it'd take a lot, long time to make the change. I mean, of course, the options were kind of limited. I mean, you know, he's got seven options on the bench, but um, the, the really game-changing ones didn't feel like they were quite there. I mean, I, I, I know what you're saying, but but I don't think there was an argument against replacing Lingard with Mason Greenwood or Pereira or Matter mm-hmm. with half an hour to go. I thought bringing Matter on with 10 minutes to go was really a waste of a substitution because very rare that Mata like absolutely hits the ground running late in a game and makes a, a really telling contribution in that way. In certainly in my impressionistic memory of it, I would love to have seen like him get half an hour in that game, or even like we've not been particularly full of praise for Pereira, but I can't see it would have got worse. I think James and Lingard for Mata and Pereira after sixty minutes w- would have been a, a perfect yeah, that would have been fair enough yeah. sub yeah. 
Or even just bring Greenwood on and play him at 10 and see what happens. All right. And in a sort of similar theme, I guess, DJ United says, when does Gomez get his chance? Not on the bench yesterday. And, and you know, he, he, he's a long way behind Lingard and Matter in the pecking order for number 10, it seems. Yeah, I guess he doesn't. I, I guess that's what's happening with Gomez. I mean, I, I wonder if that's it. You know, he's he's not... He's not in and around the squad, is he, as far as I understand it? And he, he's not doesn't seem to be getting a look in. And you would think that he would be one of the options to come in off the right. He's very young. He's very small. It's it's a big ask. But I, I, my my guess would be we're gonna we're only gonna really see him in the in the old Carabao. Yeah, probably. I mean, it might be better for his development to to have a loan spell. Um, I mean, part of it, I think, might be physical. I mean, he's still small, and and that doesn't mean, of course, you can't be successful, but you've got to know how to handle the physical side of the professional game. Lingard, don't know whether he's a a good benchmark here or not, given his current form, but Jesse Lingard didn't really make it until he was 23. So, and it it might take some time for Gomez, um, because he is small, but he's, yeah, he's technically very sound. Uh, and yeah, if development means taking a loan spell, then that's probably good because he's not going to get an awful lot of games by the looks of it. The Torch, Man United Toronto, says Harry Maguire suggested linking social media to driver's licenses or other identification. You seem like reasonable men. What are your thoughts? Well, I don't know. I, I might want to challenge the premise <laughs> of that question there. Reasonable. Um, I, well, personally, I don't like it just because I think the option... Um, to then identify people who may not want to be identified who are doing good stuff, not bad stuff, um, is a real problem, right? So, you know, you can then target people based on who they are um, when maybe they want to use social media for a different purpose. But I get where he's coming from, right? In fact, Twitter uh, and uh, the police do are able to identify, identify people based on the um, non-public details they give, such as email addresses, their IP address, phone numbers, and so on. Got to do better yeah, than Twitter. I, th- I think ideally there you would just shut down Twitter and Facebook and make social media not have happened. I think I the, the I think, world may well have um, been a better place. Yeah, I, I yes, I I, th- I think may well is. I, I think at this point it's pretty definitive, isn't it? Like net negative effect is pretty significant in a number of key ways that we won't get into for fear of upsetting the people who um, said you're Hillary Clinton's biggest fan. On. <laughs> I, I mean, I quite enjoyed that debate, to be honest. I mean, you know, like a racist troll, but um, uh, I, uh, I, I feel like I triggered all of him uh, all in one go and then uh, reported him to Twitter and got him banned. So it was, you know, victory was mine on that Excellent. one. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I, honestly, the I don't think you've ever said anything nice about Hillary Clinton no. on this podcast ever. I don't think I'm, either I'm of us. I'm pretty ever, sure I'm anyway. not her biggest fan uh, yeah, for a number of reasons. Uh, Maybe that's bonus content, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, the the long and the short of it is, um, I don't know. I think the genie is out of the bottle, and I don't know. I don't even begin to. That's why I'm not on Twitter because. I can't think of a way of using it that's good and good, certainly not good for me. Um, like in terms of like healthy and benevolent, but like absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, two, uh, two more only, questions, the, shall we do? 
Sorry, just one very quickly. It's very important to point out that one exception is the shining beacon of light that is Jofra Archer's Twitter account, <laughs> which is a thing of oh. pure undiluted beauty. Oh, it's, it's great. I mean, and, and not only that, he has this kind of, um, sorry to get all political again, Trumpy-like quality of being able to predict the future. So there is Jofra Archer <laughs> tweet for every eventuality in cricket. Uh, and yeah. it's good right now as well. Oh. We're not going to talk. We're not going to talk about this. But let's just say that if anyone wants to, I reckon you could probably persuade me and Ed to start a Joe for Archer podcast. <laughs> just, if just you really tried hard. He's he's a he's a big red as well, and uh, yeah, and so, exactly. And, and uh, the best bowler in the world after one Test match. So yeah, all good. Uh, do you think he's such a big red? I wonder if he, Jofra, if you're listening, get in touch, and also thank you for being so good at cricket. All right, last question. Bulk McHuge Large says, Rankhouse is awarded oh, a penalty. Who takes it? Paulino, Ed, or producer Tom? Oh, I don't know. Oof. I mean, I just would like to immediately rule myself out of the running. Um, my left foot has seen better days. Uh, Ed, you you were a bad footballer in your day. You were I was right. a bad footballer. A I was a bad footballer. <laughs> <laughs> I, you were a better footballer than I was, I guess. Well, um, it's, it's I don't not know a how high good Tom is. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It might have to be Tom because, you know, I, By default. I keep myself fit and... Uh, you are looking very trim these days, Paul, but I don't think any of us are very skilled with a ball. So uh, it might have to be Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a long way off very trim, but I'm on the way there. So that's all right. Maybe, maybe when I get thin, I'll start playing football and discover a hidden talent, a, a very hidden talent. All righty. Well, um, as usual, there's a whole bunch of questions we couldn't take, but in the interest of making this show only an hour or so and not, Two hours, we're going to have to call it quits there and talk about United's upcoming game against Crystal Palace. What do you know about Crystal Palace, Paul? I know you've been studying them hard. Yeah, they're playing a flat 4-4-2 every game this season, both games this season, and uh, they've been pretty terrible. They got a good result against Everton um, uh, at, at Selhurst Park, but Everton had 10 shots to Palace's six and, you know, tipped one on the XG and uh, they didn't they didn't get close to that. Sheffield United essentially battered them. Uh, they only won 1-0, but I didn't see this game. But apparently Sheffield United very impressive in this. And they certainly, although Palace had by far the lion's share of uh, possession, Chris Wilder's overlapping centre-back. So I can't wait till we play Sheffield United so we can talk about that a bit more. Um, uh, a lot more chances created and better chances created by... Chef you and Crystal Palace. Um, they've hung on to Wilf Zaha, who's playing up front with Benteke at the moment. That was obviously the 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 big thing that they they spent the the summer trying to do, but uh, not much in the way of strengthening in the summer at all, right? Um, and, no, J- James uh, MacArthur. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Right, um, right. They, no, they're in. They would look to be in a bit of trouble. Not a not a great team. Um, bit one dimensional in how they play and, and in their their best player, their best player by some distance, very unhappy that he was forced to stay at the club again. Yeah, I mean, he just signed a new contract like last summer, but you wonder whether that was the nod and the wink contract. It, it, with well, the kind he's of... saying it is. He's saying there's a, an agreement or his people are saying to the good gentlemen of the press that there was a, it was a nod and a wink contract. What he should have done, of course, is uh, inserted a buyout clause into that contract. Yeah. Yeah, not not so much a nod and a wink. And you know, it's 
Like he genuinely cares about Palace and loves Palace, doesn't he? You know, he's mm-hmm. obviously like his club, but you can understand why he'd want to get out of there. He's 20 something, not that small anymore. Like, you know, he's 26, maybe he's not, he's not a kid anymore by any means. And another season at Palace is going to be, is going to feel very long for him. I'm sure. Um, I, I think we'll beat them comfortably. I mean, that Wolves performance I thought was very heartening in terms of um, what it says about how well we're going to be able to control a game like this. The only question will be, will they somehow sit deep enough and frustrate us enough? And, you know, if we're playing both Lingard and Daniel James again, will there be enough guile in the final third? Will Martial be able to pull off something magical? Will Rashford continue his his really Mm. good form from certainly the first half against them? against Wolves. Any any changes and, uh, in the United side for you? I mean, yeah, 100%. I would play almost anyone ahead of Jesse Lingard yeah. at number yeah. 10. And, and you know, I, I, and it, I like And it might be Messi. It might be the game where giving him 60, 70 minutes against uh, what we presume will be a packed defence, two blocks of four, uh, is, is the one where he can use a bit more of that guile. I mean, he's not quick, but... That, you know, maybe maybe that's where he comes into play. Maybe this is a game Mason Greenwood gets a chance. I mean, the thing about playing Mata is it's a lovely idea in theory. Yeah, playing no, playing Mata at number ten, but traditionally, whenever we try it, it almost well. every time yeah. it's real bad. He looked okay real, there in preseason when he had a couple of a couple of spells there. So, um, right. yeah, and and Lingard isn't working there, and and there's no value in having Lingard in, in the team in this kind of form. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, if he wants to stick to the same shape, 4-2-3-1, someone has to play in that role. It could be Pereira gets a go there. Uh, maybe Mason comes in on the right-hand side. I, I, I do think if we're going to use Dan James this season, and as I said, I think he's going to get quite a lot of games, um, he's going to be more effective right now where United have space behind the opposition back four, and I don't think there's going to be a lot of lot of that in this game yeah this just does not seem like a Dan James game at all so I would go with the same back four same midfield Martial up top Rashford left I think I would just go Greenwood right and maybe go Greenwood and Pereira um just for a bit of additional mobility um and if it's matter over Pereira that's fine but but Juan Mata feels really really done out here like I, I, I don't, I don't, I can't believe I've had a pop at Jesse Lingard and one matter in the same show. I just feel, I feel terrible about myself. You should do, you right should go now. and have a good wash, you know. Yeah, um, but, but it's just I don't know how to call it any other way. I, I'm really looking forward to this game again. Like this is, so far the season has done a great job of of being not terrible, like easily good enough to. Well, obviously the result in the first game was tremendous, but. There'll be a really good feeling. Saturday, three o'clock kickoff. I haven't got a ticket. Don't think I can go. No? Kind of kind of want to go. <laughs> kind, I'm kind sure of I'm sure you'll be able to find a ticket. I, I am still um, on the West Coast, so I won't get a chance. Actually, I watched the game uh, with Garav again. Uh, hi, Garav, if you're listening. Um, and the uh, Seattle Reds, the, the Seattle, what do they call themselves? Seattle Red Army um, Supporters Club. Um, which is, you know, it's uh, 12 o'clock on a Monday when everyone's at work, so there's sort of 25 people there. I think they get a bigger crowd for the weekend games. Uh, seemed like a good bunch of lads. Um, shows you how 
widespread there is support for United, of course. Um, I may not trek across town for the next game. I may go to a local pub, which just happens to be an English pub. For the seven o'clock kickoff, it will be for me. Uh, my last one in the US before heading home to Blighty. I mean, it'll be a lot easier for you to watch it than me, though. That's I think we can agree with that because it's a three o'clock Saturday kickoff. So you'll be able to watch it on TV. I shall. Yeah. Um, all right. I am talking of done out here. I'm absolutely done out here. Apologies for the short show today. Also, apologies if I've said anything that doesn't make sense. Or And I'll tell you what, if anything I've said today really upset you, I really am genuinely sorry. Don't worry about it. It's all fine. Oh, you're going all wan matter on us. (laughs) No, it's true, though. It's like, you know, you say things about football and you imagine someone listening going, oh, what a bad thing you said about football. And I just want to go like, yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) You might be wrong. I might have said a good thing and you thought it was bad. But mostly, you're probably right. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go away and get the rage on about that. It was disgusting. (laughs) All right. All right. Thank you. Back and stay tuned for more content. Everyone else, we will see you uh, at a similar sort of time next week. We certainly will. Oh, we've got to do predictions. Oh, predictions. 3 0 to United. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'll go with 2 0 just to be different. Why? God, uh, French sitting poor. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> 2 0 is a terrible result. I, I'm going to set up a Paul Hate Twitter group. Don't do that. Don't. There's definitely. That, it's not going to be difficult to find members. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Um, we'll see. We'll see you next See you, week. everyone. Bye now.